you go with me to Ephesians chapter number 3? And you can see behind me uh, the theme for the year, the church. And uh, there's so many things. I've gone so back and forth on, on kind of how to present this idea to you. We decided to put it up so you could see it as the service began. But the church really, in so many ways, in, in so many real and very tangible ways, is the method that God chose to speak in these last days. He's chosen to speak through the Word of God, but you're going to see in a few moments that the church is the one responsible for the Word of God. He's chosen to reach the world, but He's chosen the church to be the vehicle through which the world is reached. And really, anytime you're going to come into some interaction between heaven and earth, you're going to find that the church plays a very specific chosen role uh, in that uh, that unfolding. And so this year, uh, I'll save some for my introduction, but uh, this this year, we're going to be really focusing heavy on what the church is. And uh, you picked a good Sunday to be here, as the announcement said. If you're a visitor here, what you're going to find this morning is really what Faith Baptist Church is all about. What is it we want to focus on as a church? What should be the DNA of Faith Baptist Church? And in large part, I certainly think that it is the DNA of our church. But this next year, we're going to take deliberate times uh, scheduled in our calendar, scheduled in our, our worship services, scheduled from, from how we teach, what we teach, where we teach, where we go, all the very intentional to make sure that we can fulfill the responsibilities given to the church. And so as you're turning there to Ephesians chapter 3, I want to take some time. I want to pray and ask God's uh, blessing and, and liberty on the message this morning uh, because it, it's, it's foundational in a large way. Um, this, this year's theme is a little bit different in this. Most of the time we set out a theme for the year. Um, I think this one differs uh, significantly and, and uh, in, in that I believe we're setting a, a theme for our church. Uh, I'm going to give you five things in just a little bit that I really do want our church to be defined by. And this is not just for 2023. This is until Jesus comes back. I want our church to excel and be defined by these five biblical areas. And so uh, let's go ahead and ask God's blessing on the service, and we'll get into the the study and introduction. Um, This morning's going to be heavy on the introduction side. Tonight, we're going to really unpack the same sermon, uh, just in a far further detail uh, of it. So you got to be back this evening. I'll say that a few times today, but let's pray. Father, would you guide us today? Lord, I love you. I really do. I think you know that. I think I can say that. Uh, from an honest heart, I, I, I know the, the responsibility that's been given to me today. These are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Uh, Lord, you are their Redeemer, their Lord, their Savior, their guide. And this is your church, Lord, and there should be glory in the church uh, for you now and forever. And I pray, God, that today you would allow us as a church, as a whole, to be of one mind, of one accord, uh, as we focus so much on last year, uh, having one purpose, one hope under one God, so that we can focus on this mission of the church, the the, the function and fulfillment and the, the outpouring of what the church is supposed to do and its responsibilities and, and why you gave it gifts and where it came from and where it's supposed to be going. And Lord, this church belongs to you. It doesn't belong to a denomination. It doesn't belong to me as the pastor. It belongs to you. And may you have the preeminence in all the things that we do this, this service, Father, this week, this year, and until you return, may you be the one that we're trying to glorify. May you be the one that we're singing to. May you be the one that we're serving. And I pray, God, that just in every single way that you would have the preeminence, the chiefest seat above all, uh, that everything comes to you, everything is done through you, and everything is done for you. God, would you guide us today? Lord, help my mind, my heart. Lord, uh, help me not to be nervous, and I, I don't know that I am, but I certainly don't want to be. I want, I want your liberty this morning, Lord. I want to be able to take the Word of God for the people of God and really just allow the Spirit to move in and amongst us. Um, that, Father, we can come out the other side having heard from you and, and really having our hearts stirred and changed and our trajectory really set in stone. Uh, and more, more important than stone, but in, in Scripture, God, would you guide us? Would you bless us? Meet with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
So this morning, I said it a bit, uh, this morning we're really going to get to the why of the theme, and then at the very end, we're going to unpack, hey, here's the theme. Uh, But this evening, we're going to take the time and really look at what, how is it we're going to be able to fulfill those five areas? What are we doing intentionally as a church to make sure that we're doing those specific things? And so this year, there's going to be a lot of intentionality, and I don't mean that as a buzzword. I I really do want to be decisional as a church, uh, that we understand what the church is supposed to be. What is the... Ch- we spent some time, I think, back in November and a little bit into October, really trying to understand this newer concept in the first century of the church. And we spent a lot of time unpacking that Jesus started this thing he called a family. And yes, it's called church, but it's also called a family and it's called a body. And, and we spent a lot of time, I think, in October and November developing different giftings that he gave to the church. And so in a lot of ways, this sermon series and this year is kind of an unfolding continuation of that, that Jesus started this big, beautiful thing that it's almost like, and I don't know if this is a good illustration, but it kind of comes to my mind. Have you ever played tag before? And uh, you're it. And so when Christ came, I mean, he was it. And uh, he, he came and he, he died on the cross. He resurrected. And then in some ways, not in every way, Christ is still the, the head of the church. But in many ways, he kind of tagged the church and said, okay, it's your job now. It's your job to bring my message and my name and my, my blood to the world. It's your job now. And so we live in what we would call the church age, where the church has this massive responsibility and has done a fairly good job in continuing that work through the centuries. And so uh, that series, if you'll remember it, where we talked about one family, I think was what it was, one family, one body, differing gifts, difference of operations, all of that is kind of a blueprint on how we were supposed to be the church. And we kept coming across this phrase. It was repeated so many times in different texts, the idea of many members, one body. Many gifts, one Lord. Many operations, one spirit, all of that. And so this year, in a large way, we're going to continue to focus on this thing of the church. And my hope is uh, to take the year and really be able to define what is the church. What's its structure? How's it supposed to be organized? What's its foundation? How, what is the church built upon? Can it change? Should it change? Will it change? Uh, we're going to take even some time on some Wednesday nights and go over some church history and uh, back into the, the first and second century. We're going to have a huge emphasis, and this is primarily where we're going this year. We're going to emphasize what are the responsibilities of the church. Because as you look in the scripture, and as I look in the scripture, there's a bunch of things the church is responsible for. And then equally important, there's a bunch of things the church is not responsible for. There's a bunch of things the church shouldn't spend any effort or any money or any time focusing its attentions on that. Because there's a whole host of things God tells the church, hey, no, 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 this is your job. Uh, Just a real quick low-hanging fruit. It is not our job to entertain the world. It's not our job to build a crowd. It's not our job to get more people in here. There'll be more people seated at an NFL game today than there will be in any church here in Bakersfield that doesn't make them successful. So it's not the job of the church to do some things, but what we're going to emphasize this morning and really work hard this year to emphasize is what is the job of the church. And we've got some work to do. We've got some scripture searching to do. We've got some uh, biblical understanding to develop. And if we do it right, here's my hope. If we do this right and we search through the scriptures, then here's what's going to happen to us. We as the church, not the building, but we as the church will have a lot of soul searching, a lot of, a lot of examination of self on, hey, if that's the job of the church and I'm the church, that means that's my job. Right? And I, I doubt this idea even exists. I doubt this mindset exists in the congregation today. But it's possible you might think as we go through this series, you think, well, yeah, that's the church's responsibility to reach the world. That's not my responsibility. Well, again, this is real, real fundamental, real basic uh, in our understanding of Christianity that this is not the church. 
You are the church. We are the church. And my, my daughter, she did it. And I'm so bad. I, I kind of ruined it. I'm so preachy all the time. I, I, I got to work on this. But my daughter, she came home and did that whole like, you know, here is the church. Here is the, She did it this week. It was perfect sermon illustration. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors. And what does it say? See all the people. And I said, honey, that is not biblical. That is not theologically accurate. I said, sweetheart, it goes like this. This is the building, and this is a steeple. Open the doors. The church is the people. And I, amen. And uh, Carter said, amen. Nobody else said, amen. It was just me. Because genuinely, the building is not the church. You're the church. And so as we examine today, and as we examine this year, we really emphasize, hey, church, this is your job. It's your job as an individual. It's your job in your family to do these things and to understand and to own these responsibilities. Uh, There's going to be a lot of intentional emphasis, and that's a huge word this year, emphasis on the things that matter. We want to be decisional. We want to make sure that we're deciding ahead of time that we are going to excel at certain things, and maybe that means consequently we won't excel at other things. And You know one thing that's become abundantly clear to me? Uh, and this is true in the church. It's also true in, in any really any area. But we as a church are not going to be great at every single area of ministry. We're just not. Conventional wisdom, observation, if you've lived any amount of time, you kind of know that. There are far too ministry opportunities, far too many, I should say, ministry opportunities and emphasis models for the church to excel at every one of them. I'll give you a couple examples. Some churches choose to be really good at homeless ministries. And should they be? Yeah, absolutely. Some churches focus on addictions ministries. And some churches have huge Christian schools. And other churches have complex children's ministries. And some churches have massive adult Sunday school ministries. Some churches are known for their music. Some churches perhaps are known for their administrative abilities. And, and uh, any one church, just like any one person or any one company, and, and please forgive me for using uh, industry as an example, but any one company cannot be good at, any, at every area of expertise. There's decisions that they say, hey, we're going to focus our efforts and attention on these. In fact, the Industrial Revolution of 100 or so years ago, uh, Henry Ford kind of created and really propelled the Industrial Revolution by creating what is known as a specialist workforce model. And uh, it used to take, before he instituted this, it would take 12 hours to assemble a Model T. What he decided to do was instead of having groups work on the entire car, he broke the process up into 84 individual steps. And 84 different people got got really good at this and the guy next to him got really good at the next step and the guy it's specialist workforce model and they cut down the production time of a model t ford from 12 hours down to three because they got focused on a couple of things now i understand and i am certainly not saying the church is an industry it's the bride of christ but she as the bride of christ has been given many functions the church can do many things. There are a lot of things we even find in Scripture as permission to do, an emphasis over here and an emphasis over there, perhaps on the widows or on this particular topic. And there's many functions and priorities and facets and responsibilities. And the goal of this theme this year is to really see them all, to, to search the Scripture. And, okay, what does God say the church is supposed to do? Well, what are all of the areas that God says the church needs to focus on them? And here's my hope and my prayers that we can sort through them that we can categorize them and give them their proper place of, of, on that priority list. And honestly, that's a bit new to me because I want to excel at everything, right? Anything I do, do it with all my might. Well, that's not what the Bible says. It says to do it with thy might, not all of it. There has to be balance, right? I want to excel at everything. If we're playing basketball, I want to be the best. If we're playing badminton, you know, I'm coming for you. That might come as a surprise that, you, that I'm competitive. I know none of you know that or have ever seen that at any of the Memorial Day picnic games or anything of that nature. But I want to excel at everything everything but but in a very real way just just observation no one is good at everything 
No one excels at any, everything. You might be that person who's just hyper-athletic, and it could be badminton or basketball, and you're probably going to win. But well, how much do you know about finance? Exactly. Are, are you good at tech? Right? I, I'm still trying to get my VCR to turn on, okay? And uh, some of you guys are all downloading, streaming. I'm going to stop talking because I don't know those terms, okay? And uh, nobody is good at every single area. Maybe you're good at finance. Well, are you good at marriage? Maybe you're good at marriage. Are you good at child rearing? How much of a grasp do you have on economics or politics? You're going to have to pick some things naturally to emphasize, some things to excel at, and thereby some things get less emphasis. And that list doesn't even include the one I just talked about, sports and economics. It doesn't even include the spiritual matters, right? Like scripture reading. Some of you excel in faith. Some of you excel in prayer. We've talked about this. Some of you are good at teaching the word, and that's your gift set. And you emphasize and add to the church body in that regard. Some for soul winning and giving. How good are you at those particular areas? What about doctrine and hospitality? There's so many facets to the Christian life. So which ones are we collectively as a church going to decide to be excellent at? And then perhaps a more important question is why would we pick those? Let's just kind of throw an arbitrary number, and it's not because we do have five. Let's just say we've created a list of the top five things we as a church wanted to be excellent at. And like I said, we, ha- we have that list. This is, this is what the sermon is this morning. Where are we going to get that list from? If we're going to say, hey, these five things, and I'm not saying the other things. I'll have to tell you about that in a second. But these five things as a church, we want to excel in these areas. Where do we get that list? Does it just come, you know, from the, uh, the wishes of a pastor that says, hey, I want to be really good at this. I want to be really good at that. No, I don't think that's a good place. Do we look at other churches and say, well, that church is really good at this area of service, and so we should be likewise. They're really good at music or addictions ministry or children's ministry. We should should do that. Are we going to look at another church and base our ministry path and model off of that? Or maybe we say, well, I used to go to a church, and the church I used to go to did it this way, so we should do it that way. Maybe there's a prominent church that you know about. Maybe it's online. Maybe it's just from your, your interactions. You say, well, that church does it this way. Is that how we at Faith Baptist Church should make our decisions on what we should do? Or, and this is obviously the right answer, should we run to the scriptures and ask Jesus, if you were to make a list, Lord, what would you say the church is responsible for on the top end of that list? Please follow my illustration here closely. This is important. I don't want to lose you. I think this will kind of tie everything back together. Just as every single Christian in the room has different gift sets, right? And some of you are good at teaching. Some of you have mercy. And some of you are good at faith. And some of you, you know, you might be the hand or the foot or the eye. And they all serve a different emphasis and add to the body as a whole. There's a different area. You're a specialist, if you'll allow me to use that illustration again. You're a specialist in that area. Some are specialists in kids' ministries. Some are specialists in music. Others in serving. And that's true on an individual scale inside of the body of Christ. But here's also what's true, I think. As you kind of zoom back out to maybe a global look at the body of Christ, I think there are a lot of churches that play different roles in the whole of the kingdom of God. There are some churches who need to be focused on music and give us the songs that we sing. Thank God we have a hymnal, right? Thank God we have songs that we can sing. Somebody took time to write that. My office, I have a library full of books written by other pastors and other churches that help us understand the scripture. There's emphasis there. There are some churches who emphasize and focus on addiction ministries or some on administration, and they're so administrative. They can put together things where other churches can come to. We play a little bit of that role when it comes to team camp. You can see that there's specialties that serve the whole of the kingdom of God. So then let me again ask you this question that's so deeply rooted in my heart. What are we as a church supposed to be good at? What are we supposed to be defined by as Faith Baptist Church? Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's it's strange to me sometimes. I don't mean to be condescending, but it's strange to me sometimes where people say, well, is this what you were saying, Pastor? No, what I said is is what I said. We can go back and listen to to that. What I'm I'm not saying, well, you know, 
Here's five things we're going to do. That means we're not going to do that. No, I think everything God gave the church to do, the church is supposed to do. But I am also very keenly aware that some priorities he placed above others. And that's emphasized throughout the scripture. Uh, And and I don't want to give my sermon points away, but you'll see them. So hold on to that thought, okay? I think you'll agree on the other side of this. These five things should make all of our top list. Um, Every church has a responsibility to the poor, right? Every church has a responsibility to the widows and and children and music and worship and soul winning and apologetics and teaching, all of those things. But what is it that should make our list as a church? And why should it make that list for us as a church? Again, we don't make it off of the pastor's whims or wants. Or well, there, We could grow as a church faster if we did it this, so that makes the top of the priority. And we could change this and get more pit. No, that's not how you make that list. There's only one place to sort out all of the host responsibilities that we've been given as a church, and that is the scripture itself. Now, I'm going to say something that has to guide us. And this, I promise you, it's going to sound like I jumped off the wagon and I'm going somewhere else. I'm not. This is so crucial to the process because this is a process. I'm not going to be able to preach this whole sermon today. It's going to take a couple of weeks to unfold. But there is a crucial mindset that has to be present in your heart and mind if we're going to get through this properly. And here's the mindset. Um, uh, we're going to look at the five things the churches, our church needs to excel at. Here's what I'm not saying. This is the mindset. so crucial. I'm not saying if a church does it differently that they are necessarily wrong. I'm also not saying that they're necessarily right. What I am saying is it shouldn't matter to you. That's not your flock and that's not your church. Okay, this is, it, it means more than you might know at first. As we unpack it, you'll see what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. As we say, hey, this, this is the most important thing at Faith Baptist Church. And you look and say, well, they didn't do that at that church. That doesn't matter. To their own master, they stand or fall. You do not need to, to, to take some time and try to fix their church. You're not going to fix their church, nor are you going to follow their church. You're, you're here at Faith Baptist Church, and we need to figure this out for Faith Baptist Church. And that matters because we, we, we answer to God for Faith Baptist. We don't answer to God for the church you grew up in, or the church you used to go, or the church online, or the, the big church you went to college at, or whatever. We don't answer to God for those. We answer to God for Faith Baptist Church. We are an independent Baptist church on purpose. No one else answers to God for this ministry, but we do. And so we don't need to answer to God for, well, they have this view on children's ministry, and they have this emphasis on Christian education, and they have this emphasis on that. No, no. We have to answer to God for Faith Baptist Church. And so as we're going to go through these things, and as the year goes on, and we unpack and say, hey, this is how we're going to do missions at Faith Baptist Church. You say, well, yeah, but don't they do that different? Doesn't make them wrong, doesn't make them right. right. We answer to God for Faith Baptist Church. And again, this matters more than you might realize because there is a natural propensity to compare. Oftentimes we measure, and this is at least true for me, I assume it's true for you as well, we measure our success, this is a natural inclination, to measure our success or correctness in the markers we have seen and known. Well, there was a church, and they were a good church, and they did it this way, so if we do it slightly different, I'm not talking about compromise at all. In fact, I'm talking quite quite the opposite, okay? Um, Getting back to a biblical model of church. You say, yeah, but they did it that way. Again, that doesn't matter. That has no bearing on Faith Baptist Church. Uh, we, we kind of think, well, that's a big church and it's influential and they did it this way, so we should do it that way. Well, not necessarily. Again, we're going to look at missions very soon as a church. And you might recognize from Missions Conference, we kind of left it open-ended and said, hey, we'll deal with that next year. Yeah, because there's some things that are coming that I find in Scripture that I think we're going to find in Scripture together and say, hey, this is a proper ministry model, not just to give to send, but to give to go. Well, what? I've never seen a church do that. I don't care. You can see it in the book of Acts. They did it there. That's kind of where I'm going. We don't need to decide, can we do this? They never did that. Again, I'm not talking about compromise in any way. Again, I'm more saying get back to what the model of Scripture is. But at the same time, there's kind of two reasons we need to shirk this. Well, here's what we're doing. That's what they did. There's two reasons for that. Number one, 
I don't want us to think we're the only ones right. That's a very natural inclination. Well, this is how we do it, and I find it in Scripture, and I think that you will. I really think that you will. I've spent a lot of time laboring and searching and praying and, and trying to find it in Scripture. And you say, yeah, but they don't do it that way. Okay, don't be proud. To their own master, they stand or fall. But then on the other side, there's this other fear of us getting ensnared into the fear of man and man's expectations and man's kind of traditions. And so after much prayer and many conversations with Jesus and the different church family and whatnot, many late-night wrestlings with Christ, here's what I want to give you. Five things, not arbitrary, but found in Scripture, five things I want Faith Baptist Church, and more importantly, I think the Scripture, through, through Christ, he wants Faith Baptist Church to become excellent in. Excellent in. There are a lot of things I want to be good at as a church. You know, um, I want to be good at uh, welcoming visitors. And we got a lot of visitors here. Thank you for coming. It's a blessing to have you. But if I'm going to pick five things that God says, hey, the church is responsible for that, then I want to be really, really good at those. So we're going to start number one. You're there in Ephesians chapter three. Number one, I believe, and again, this is not just the theme for the year. This is a guiding principle, I think, for Faith Baptist Church. Number one, Faith Baptist Church exists for the glory and worship of God. Faith Baptist Church opened its doors this morning for the glory of Jesus. And I briefly, briefly mentioned to you, we won't go far into the, each of these categories. You'll have to come back to that tonight. I'm going to get you the five categories, and then tonight we'll spend a lot of time unpacking how are we as a church going to emphasize the glory of God? How are, how are we as a church going to be decisional in creating opportunities for you and I to corporately and individually worship God? You're going to see in a little bit that our calendar is very driven by these five things. It's not driven by activities. It's not driven by, well, let's do something fun because we did it before. It's very driven by these five priorities. And so tonight, you got to come back and help uh, and hear all of that. But the glory and worship of God is our chiefest of responsibilities. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21 says this. Unto him be glory in... Read those two words, please. Let's do that again. Unto him be glory in... By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. The church exists for the glory of God. Like I said, it's why we turned the heat on. It's why we opened up the doors this morning. It's why we paid the electric bill this week. Uh, it's why we sang. It's why Brother Mo offered that song to the glory of Jesus. It's even why we served coffee this morning and ran buses. We didn't do it all so visitors would come. And again, like I said, I'm thankful you're here. We didn't do it just to keep business hours. Well, you know, we're supposed to open at 11. Might as well open the doors and do something. We didn't do it because you didn't have anything else to do and I couldn't find anything else to do. We came, we come together corporately to worship the creator God of heaven. And sometimes that gets misplaced in churches, right? We got programs and plans and classes and stuff to do and we lose our first love. And I want to remind the church that we open, we exist, we gather, we give, we go for the glory and worship of our God. And like I said, we're going to be very intentional. We've been talking about a lot of different things we can do during the Lord's Supper service to emphasize worshiping our Creator. There are a lot of things you're going to have to do as a husband to glorify God in your home. We're going to talk about those things. There are a lot of things you're going to have to do as a mom that might feel a little weird and a little bit counterculture, and you're going to have to do it because it glorifies God. And that's not going to be popular. It's not politically correct to talk about the biblical role of a woman, but we exist for God's glory. We exist to obey Him. We exist to follow the Scriptures. Well, that's extreme. Well, that's Bible. We exist for the glory of God. Number two, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. The church exists to excel, to be excellent, to be great, to be better than almost anything else. The church exists to excel in the proclamation and elevation of God's word. 
That's why he created it. I'll show you. Think about it with me. If I had to pick two things, I'd pick these two things. If, if I couldn't make a list of five, and again, the number is kind of arbitrary. Five, it could have been seven, it could have been four. But if I only had to pick two, I'd pick these first two. The church exists to glorify God and to preach the word. That's why the church is here. It's not here, like I've said, to entertain you. The church is not here to impress you. The church is here. Its sole responsibility, not its sole, but well, it kind of unfolds in many ways, but is to preach the word of God. 1 Timothy 3.15 says this, But if I tarry long, thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Now, real quick, here's what Paul told Timothy. Timothy, I want you to know what the church should do. I want you to know what the church should be excellent at. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Notice what he calls it. The church, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, a pillar serves one purpose, and it's not to look pretty. Sometimes they beautify it, but you can have an ugly pillar that does the same job. A pillar exists to hold something up. The ground, the foundation upon which the pillar and the truth stand. So here's what the Bible tells us, that the church is responsible for elevating and proclaiming the word of God. And listen, if we were going to get, you know, they say the only thing worse than not getting good at anything is getting really, really good at something that doesn't matter. What a waste of life. For, again, I'm going to be careful I say this. I don't want to kind of pick on anybody. But let's say we have a, a person who, man, they love Jesus and they, they, they follow Christ and they, they decide to get really, really, really good at something other than following and loving Jesus. You can become the richest person and not have fulfilled your life's purpose. The greatest responsibility you and I can have is to send, spend our lives elevating and pro- proclaiming the word of God. They, I, listen. This church needs to become, and by the church, I'm not saying building, I'm not saying staff, I'm not saying pastor, I'm saying you need to become incredibly proficient at this book. Listen, that's a a you job. Now, we're taking and being uh, intentional on the staff side with training and classes and things of that nature, and we'll talk some about that tonight, but this next year, we're going to be very intentional about teaching you all how to handle the word, giving you all opportunities to do that. Because that's what the church is supposed to do. It's not supposed to be that the staff comes and does the work of the ministry, but the staff and the pastors equip you for the work of the ministry and then give you opportunities, which might be a little uncomfortable and might make Wednesday night service a little bit weird because why is that brother teaching? Well, just get ready for it. That's what the church did. Well, the church I grew up didn't do it that way. Well, the church in the book of Acts did. That's right. Okay? And I know that's uncomfortable. But I firmly believe that God desires to have an army of people at 1960 Ming Avenue who know what to do with the Bible. Not just men and women who come faithfully to hear the word, right? We talked about this a couple of months ago, that you're considered faithful when you teach others also. Not just when you receive the word, not just when you come and get fed, but when you take that same word and pour it into another man's life who can teach others also, who can teach others also. Here we are 2,000 years later from the inception of the church. Church still going strong. Why? Because faithful men taught other people. And that's your job. And it's my job. We need an army of people who know how to take this book to the end of the world. Yes. Starting with Tehachapi, and Lake Isabella, and Button Willow. And that one strange, obscure light you saw on your magnet on your refrigerator and thought, I wonder who lives there. Well, God ordained the church to go there yes. to the end of the earth with this book to bring hope and life to them. And yet, by and large, churches are full of people who will hear and listen and sit. But very few who will go. 
that is the job of the church. It's not the job of the pastor exclusively to feed the saints. That is my job, but it's also my job to equip you to go and do. Not just to come and be fed. Not just to come and hear how to be a better Christian, but to come and hear what the Bible says about how you can be an active part in this same process of unfolding gospel kingdom ministry. It's your job, as is it mine. The church exists, number one, for the glory of God. Number two, for the elevation of the word of God. Next, it exists Would you go to Matthew 28. Some of you who've been in church for a long time can probably guess which verse. 19. The Great Commission. The church exists, number one, for the glory of God. The church exists for the elevation and the proclamation of the word of God. Number three, the church exists for the evangelization of the lost world. There's a bunch of lost people within your reach and within your context and within my reach and my context. People you work with. People you're born into, the family, into a family with. People that you know who do not know the Christ who has saved you from your sin. Matthew 28, 19 says this, Go ye therefore... And I'm not going to go into what ye means. You already know. It means all of you. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Tonight, we're going to take some time. Again, you can't miss it. And really uh, intentionally and explain practical ways that we as a church plan to do this better. Because I want to be excellent at it. I don't know that we are. And, And you say, well, how do you know that? You compared it to another church that's really good. No, no. I just took a look at the Bible and said, okay, here's what the church is supposed to do. Here's what we are doing. We need to do that better. Leave the context of your previous church or another church out of the equation. That's why I said that mindset matters. Because we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. It's unwise. We are to compare ourselves with this book, which is why God gave it to us. And we search the scripture and we see what the church was doing and see how the church was doing. And they were starting churches and they were moving through their regions and they were responsible for the people within their reach. We as a church have the same exact responsibility. And we're going to talk about it tonight. Some mapping software and soul winning leader teams and uh, missions training trips and and different things that you can can be ready for and mark on your calendar that aren't necessarily on your printed calendar. We'll talk about some of those. But let me start by saying this. This is important. Would you go to Romans 10? Let me start by saying this. I cannot employ you in the work you were called to do if you won't answer the call. It is my job, 100% my job, and 100% the job of the church to send you out to preach the gospel. The problem comes when we will not heed that call ourselves. We can say, yeah, the church is supposed to bring the gospel. Who is the church? Well, the church has to reach the lost. Yes! Who is the church? That's why that's so important. Romans chapter 10. We may look at this on Wednesday night and connect some dots back into Isaiah. But Romans chapter number 10, verse number 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, praise God, shall be saved. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, it's as simple as calling on Jesus, trusting Him and His finished work to save you. Verse 14. Ask the question, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And it's almost this nesting doll. So they're going to call, but how can they call on someone they've not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So we get all the way down to that. Hey, if they they can call on him, well, how are they going to call on him who they don't know? And how are they going to know unless someone teaches them? And how is someone going to teach them if nobody goes and preaches? Verse 15. How shall they then preach? Or how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings, good, uh, glad tidings of good things. 
So here's my, my, my request, church. Let me send you. Let our church send you. Answer the call. Don't fight that. There's no need for argument. I don't need a text message or a meeting. It is unarguably the church, church's responsibility, to send its members out to preach the gospel. There are no exclusions. There are no exemptions to being a faithful soul winner. There is zero permission given in the Bible for a casual, sometimes commitment to sharing the gospel with those you live around and those that you know. Just like Jesus sent out his apostles, it is tag your it, the church's job now, to send out its members. And this, again, is a very different model. Most churches want to gather and hoard. Let's build the biggest church we can build. What if we had 15 years left? Would it be better to have a church of 500 or have, say, 15 churches started out of Faith Baptist Church? What would be better? Well, the church I grew up in never I get it. I get it. I understand. That's why I'm asking you to have that mindset that says, What's, what does the scripture say? Come back tonight. We'll talk about intentional ways. We hope to employ all of us to this work. And I hope you come with a willing heart to be employed. You see, the gospel isn't a welfare structure where the actual labor is done by just a handful of people and then everybody reaps the reward. No, the soul winner's crown goes to soul winners. Ruling and reigning goes to those who are faithful servants. And we know what faithful means, able to teach others also. Faith Baptist Church exists to excel, number one, at bringing glory to God. Number two, at preaching the word. Number three, in evangelizing the lost. Number four, and we're almost done, Faith Baptist Church exists to excel at providing community for the saints. The church is for saved people. Now, the church is supposed to go out and get lost people saved, right? But the church, when you see the body of believers, it's always a body of, of believers, you know, on one hand, the church is supposed to be very outward focused in its evangelism, but at the very same time, it's supposed to care for itself. It's supposed to encourage the saints. It's supposed to equip and love and train and edify. Ephesians 4.16 is where I want you to go now, if you would. I'll give you just a second to get there. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 16. Jesus has so much to say, and we really did unpack it. I'm sorry if you weren't with us. You can go back and listen online. We really did unpack how the church is supposed to be a family, supposed to be one body, supposed to be serving and edifying itself in love, which is Ephesians 4.16. It says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. So Christ is the head of the church. He has compacted the body together. That body is supposed to supply to every joint, just like from your heart to your fingertips, there is a, there is a supplying happening according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. So every part has to work effectively making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You know, this is what Jesus was talking about, like I said, when he called us a body and a family and brethren. And tonight we're going to talk about, because I don't have time to necessarily unpack it tonight or this morning, we're going to talk about ways as a church. We're going to try to be intentional to, to, to edify ourselves in love, for an older to teach a younger, for the, the young men to learn from the older men. Titus chapter 2, we're going to talk about hospitality and fellowship. And we're going to talk about intentional ways we plan to break bread in the Lord's Supper as a body, as a community of believers, because the church is supposed to provide that community to each other. And again, how would we grade ourselves, church? Not, and again, you're not grading yourself off, well, the church I used to go to is more friendly. Leave that out. Our grade is here. How are we doing? These are definitely areas we can improve on. Number five, the church exists. I want you to see lastly, this year as a church, my desire, most importantly, I believe God's desire, is that each and every Christian, number five, develops a progressing relationship with Christ. 
What I mean, there's a lot of ways to say this, and I've gone back and forth on how to exactly say this. Here's what I'm saying. The church exists to provide you with the next step in your Christianity. So maybe you're here and you're not saved. Well, great. You have come to the right place that's supposed to help you pass from death to life. Because we've been given the Bible, we've been given the hope and the light, and we can show you, hey, if you're dead in trespasses and sin, Christ died for your sins. He's made a way for you to be forgiven. He offers to whosoever will. Let him come and take of the water of life. You can be saved. That's your next step. But hey, if you're here and you're saved, what comes next? Well, the Bible says you should be baptized. Hey, I'm baptized, Pastor. Okay, well, you should be a part of the church body. You should be a part of the membership. Okay, well, I'm part of the membership. What should I do? Are you serving? And here's where we kind of fall off. Like, oh, wait, now there's expectations for me? <laughs> like, I thought I'd save to sit. I thought I joined the church to be just kind of a bench warmer. No, we need starters. <laughs> we need people out there serving. Somebody helping run a bus and somebody helping serve and somebody helping clean and somebody helping in all of these different areas. The church exists not for you to stop progressing. Oh, woo! I'm saved, Brother Hunter. I got out of hell. Good. Next. What comes next? Can I ask you personally, when's the last time you took your next step for Jesus? Right? We've been saved for 40 years, 25 years. When's the last time you progressed in your Christianity? If you stop progressing, if you stop, and here's maybe a better word, if you stop pursuing Jesus, you will wither. You will stagnate. You will lose your first love. And service and worship of your Redeemer will go from... Exciting. Remember when you first got saved? Ooh, I love church. I can't wait to get there. I'll be the first one there, last one to leave. I can't wait to talk to everybody. And if you stop pursuing and progressing in your Christianity, here's what happens. Exciting goes to, eh, kind of, well, yeah, I'll come to church. My husband said I should. I will. And then all of a sudden we go from that to kind of, sermon wasn't that good. Maybe it wasn't. But if the word's open, that should be enough bread for your soul. Then it goes to kind of boring, and boring moves to drudgery, and drudgery moves to kind of irritating. So arrogant. You see the way that sister looked at me? And now all of a sudden, we're, we're no longer speaking in terms of my church. We're talking about that church. And we've gone from irritating to optional and optional to eventually scorned. I used to go to church just full of fake people. Yeah, so is McDonald's. You still go there. There's flawed people everywhere you go. I'm not saying we should be flawed. Woe unto him through whom offense does come. Yeah, absolutely. But God saved you for himself. And if we are not progressing, then we are not obeying. And my prayer as a pastor is that this place would help facilitate your next step in your pursuit of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you need to get saved. Good, get saved. Maybe you need to get baptized. Take that next step. Maybe you're here and you're not right with God. You need to get right with God. You need to start serving. You need to get back to faithfulness. You get back to being obedient in your finances. You need to surrender to the preaching. Again, this next year is so driven by this idea of next steps. I, I want to be here to equip you. I want to be your equipment manager and your cheerleader and your encourager. And sometimes I might need to be your rebuker and reprover and instructor. But all of that is so that you would follow Christ into your next step. Listen, I'm not here to say this year, you need to be a missionary to Ireland. But maybe I could say, you need to start praying again. You know how you used to pray and you don't? Or maybe you're a new Christian and you've just never done it. You've never experienced that discipline of prayer. You need to take your next step. You need to start studying the scriptures. You need to start taking ownership of the Great Commission. And, and whether that means going to Ireland, I'll let Jesus deal with you on that. But if I can't send you across the street, if the church can't send you across the street, we probably can't send you to Ireland either. You can get back to being faithful to the house of God. Sunday morning, 
Sunday school, Wednesday night. Whoa, whoa, pastor, back off. Okay. Five areas of excellence, and we'll close in prayer. The church exists to be excellent at worshiping and glorifying its creator. Number two, the church exists for the handling and elevation of God's word. Number three, the church exists to evangelize the lost. Number four, to provide a healthy community for the saints. And it is number five, a place for you to take your next step in your pursuit of Jesus. Let's pray.